0: Welcome to Solomon's Knot, Finding Truth and Wisdom in an Age of Information. Our guest today is a student of computer science at NC State University. We are doing a special two-part segment covering the moral and ethical dimensions of artificial intelligence, including its implications within spiritual and secular contexts. If you haven't already checked out our training series and some of the content we have available, please go to our website at 4campus.org. That is 4 as in the number, campus.org. For answers to some of the most significant issues impacting the culture, make sure to check out our questions page. And lastly, if you've been following the show for a while, consider partnering with us. You can go to fourcampusorg give every dollar that comes in goes directly to students whether it's buying them coffee or even partnering with them in their own ministries we want to inspire the next generation with biblical truth so that they have confidence in their knowledge of god including ways to defend their faith in the present culture and its many different challenges that await them now without further ado let's get to our show So we're at North Carolina State University. I'm with a student who just recently engaged last week. His name's Jared. You can find the initial interview we did under the Voices tab, May 9th, put it in the show notes. So now that I got Jared here, can you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, let people know a little bit about you. Uh, We'll just get into
1: conversation. Yeah, so my name is Jared. I'm a student here at NC State. I'm studying computer science. Just here to have a conversation about whatever topics we get into. Yeah so excited oh yeah
0: we got uh everything from i think we're gonna talk about ai some of the worldview and really honestly culture what some of the talking points are and how do we navigate those in 2021 post-covid um Mm -hmm. obviously there's a lot more issues to uncover but all right um what
1: do you want to talk about well i think uh i think talking about some of the morals and ethics of technology and some of the issues that arise would be interesting to maybe Maybe start off with, and then maybe some of the moral issues, and maybe and also benefits of AI later down the road. For the context of the show, we can't
0: just assume everybody knows this. So, can you explain a little bit about artificial intelligence or machine learning, some of these things that are now household names?
1: Yeah. So, and I'm not an expert, but the but the general idea of artificial intelligence is that it's some sort of intelligence that is inside of an algorithm. It's basically an, an algorithm that computes some sort of information and spits out some sort of output. So that could be face recognition is a form of AI. You carry it around when your pocket, we all have AI around us, but that's like a low level AI. It's not true. It's not human level. It's not superhuman level. Um, it's just kind of a general algorithm that we use as a tool, but the idea is that will eventually, it might become to the point that that algorithm becomes so complicated and so profound and efficient that it will have human level intelligence and then beyond that possibly superhuman intelligence. And right now we're in the infant stages of it, but it's growing at an exponential rate. That uh, exponential growth is can catch up to us really quickly.
0: So in the earlier interview we did, um, where we'd actually just first met, and you know, we talked about the singularity, like bridging the the man machine together. We've seen, you know, Elon Musk. We've seen this in the culture. Yeah. Uh, here, here's something, just an observation. Like, this is no more a laughing thing like this isn't a science fiction issue uh this is becoming serious conversation in the culture i believe there's a few resources i'm, I'm going to put in the show notes here uh, one of them is a conversation that a um, a filmmaker had. He was invited as a guest. He was a Christian invited to a production for a film that some pretty significant people in IT industry were being interviewed. The Dalai Lama was even interviewed. And he basically, as a guest to speak on the issue of how the faith aspect ties into the conversation on AI and some of the conclusions that were being presented by the Christian faith or even just the theistic side of the camp was, was almost like fresh perspective to the people involved it was a foreign teaching to look at the fact that we're creating something and calling it living and yet does it have a soul not only is it self-aware in that it can make ethical moral decisions and what is guiding that process what do you have to say in response to that
1: yeah i think that's a good point here in in america when we think of like true ai human level intelligence ai it's some sort of robot or thing that can think like humans let's mm-hmm. say and then maybe beyond that typically it's a negative response People are kind of worried, like, oh, think of iRobot or all like Terminator or kind of have a negative, oh, it's going to come take over the world matrix. You know, it's going to kill all the humans. And I think that might be a cultural response. I think the technology is probably going to be inevitable. And I think with that, if something's going to be inevitable, you want to make it as moral and as guided and as ethical as possible. Typically with big technological advances, isn't always the case. I mean, I would trust AI to do a lot of things that humans can't. So if you're trying to like calculate like entry of an atmosphere, going to Mars or something, you trust that to a computer because we can't do that you know, in certain things like that. I think you can trust computers to do it. That'll be safer. So for example, another current topic is is self-driving cars. Well, we don't have full self-driving cars yet, but eventually I think we will. And if it gets to the point that it's safer than humans driving, I think that's something you can trust.
0: Yeah, that's a a good point. Um, I remember briefly seeing an episode talking about autonomous driving vehicles and AI, and one of the talking points I got brought up about morality was that how can the technology judge between swerving away from a pedestrian to potentially save other lives? How are those judgments programmed? Mm. And that changes throughout cultures. Some cultures have obviously different laws, Mm -hmm. different value sets on human life, and who is responsible and this is the question I want to pose to you, Jared. Yeah. Is um, you're on trajectory. Yeah. You see that change is happening. I think that this this technology is going to get more and more intelligent and complex. Mm-hmm. And at some point, human beings are going to offload some of their responsibilities and trust into this technology, like we've had in our economies and our governments. Mm-hmm. And so you being basically in the center of that, maybe potentially they're guiding some of those processes. How do we focus on those individuals, those change agents? What is the world view and moral compass of those people that still have the handle on the technology? Mm. Is it the shareholders that are dictating that, or is it the elite programmers now? dictating to the board members. Mm-hmm. How do you as change agent programmer behind this technology making that determination? What's the worldview and motivation that you're approaching that with? Okay. The morals foundation to support your decisions and rationale.
1: So, so in my position, I'll, I'll talk about self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. So you, let's say it's true autonomous vehicle let's say it's like 20 years in in the future Mm -hmm. or something whenever it happens Mm -hmm. and there's a pedestrian and let's say it's super foggy unclear conditions just something random happens Mm -hmm. that it's not calculated to do and someone has to get hit and like the very narrow view that's terrible Mm -hmm. because someone's probably going to die Mm -hmm. but then in the broader view if you Mm -hmm. think of it, it is like okay that one person died but let's say you saved 5,000 people that year because maybe every year I don't know, 50,000 people die in car accidents, but then let's say you get autonomous vehicles and now let's say 200 people die, Mm -hmm. or maybe 500 people. That's an incredible amount of life saved.
0: So you would say that sometimes someone or people need to make a sacrifice so that ultimately winds up being a benefit in the grand scheme. Mm. Because you
1: know, those 50,000 people who died, let's say in Mm. car accidents, they weren't necessarily like condemned or judged Mm -hmm. you know it kind of happened you know it's inevitable Mm -hmm. we're all human Mm -hmm. you know it's a finite life i think it's better because no matter how good your technology is there's always going to be something random yeah you know and people are always going to die and that's kind of the fact of life and if less people could die i think that's a a improvement yeah Yeah. overall
0: yeah all right uh shifting gears a lot to unpack here yeah a lot to unpack here uh uh, we're in what's considered the post-truth era, okay. uh, very much emphasis being on subjectivity, how we feel, how we respond. Um, I was just having a conversation with my professor in seminary, he's an apologetics and theology professor, mm-hmm. campus minister. I've been doing this for a long time he mentioned that there's a difference between how modernists think and postmodernists think and how they address issues of various kinds and seems like in today's age that we've turned from historically objective truths or even culturally accepted Mm truths to i'm gonna do whatever feels good and i'm gonna do what's right in my own eyes as long as i'm not hurting my neighbor or breaking the law and How do you respond to that? And do you see that happening and playing out on college
1: campus? Well, I think it's definitely happening because I think there's more freedom around it. So Mm -hmm. for example, like maybe 500 years ago, if you wanted to do whatever you wanted to do, you might've like Mm -hmm. been shunned from your village or something. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I think it's, it's healthy to have more freedom to do that. But maybe the skew away from objective truth, Mm -hmm. I think can be detrimental. Objective truth is and my perspective the universal physics the realities of life we're all going to die the universe has gravity you know this happens because certain cause and effect you know i I think there's definitely objective truth embedded into the universe and we're just kind of observers of it if that makes sense and maybe if you want to maybe guide me where you want to go with that
0: um no i mean like just i could point to examples in nature and Mm -hmm. i could say how do you address DNA? How do you address the order and alignment of the cosmos, the fine tuning of the universe, even within our own anatomy, how certain joints and ligaments and muscles are put together to such a degree of precision, even as we're in the information age, how do we reconcile these things? And here's something, the bigger question, the more deeper question to ask is, by what standard do we compare this truth versus this truth? Which one ranks higher? How do you address that?
1: So I'll, I'll, I'll go in two parts. Yeah. Like the design of the universe. To me, I'm biased. I think I grew up with certain culture embedding this in me, mm-hmm. but even just from a computer science perspective or a physics perspective mm-hmm. or mathematics perspective, it's I mean, it's, it's almost too obvious. You have these things walking around an earth that happens to be balanced from gravity. It's too, it's a little bit too trivial. Probably we might want it to be a bit more complicated, but there's something, and I think people have noticed this in cultures before us, but it was probably, they were more in tune with that kind of apparent truth, if you will. They just
0: assumed that there was a designer behind the seasons, the cosmos. They may have not known about how many galaxies there were, but they understood that if you look at the sky long enough, there's going to be some consistency and then obviously as we've had more technological advancements as people stared longer into the sky yeah. as they observed things in the natural that there became obvious reasons for that yeah if you're a student in the nc area and would like to be on the show please reach out to for the number fourcampus.org campus.org contact or hashtag solomon's knot in any of your social media platforms whether on instagram facebook or even just through our website directly now let's get back to our show
1: yeah. Right? That's what you're getting at? I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious, but I mean, to most people, it's not, and that's okay. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like to think of God as like, you know, the world's greatest or universe's greatest computer programmer. And it's, you can think of us as in a video game if that helps. That might be a more modern perspective that makes more sense because you don't have a video game without designers. And then you're talking about weighing the the truth. What standard do you weigh truth on? I think that's an excellent point. And this, I'm I'm gonna bring AI back into this. The one thing that excites me about, let's say, computer programming and advancements and let's say machine learning, which is just a, a technique to build an artificial intelligence, which is just an algorithm that will help compute and make decisions, basically. That's summing up the definition. The thing that excites me is that I see a potential for more clear truth. Mm. Because humans, because we're finite, because we're biased in many ways, we kind of muddy the truth. And to me, what I love is the bit is either a zero or it's a one. Yes, there can be some ambiguity in there, but for certain cases, you need that bit to be a zero or one to make absolute decisions. And I think computers at their best, and this is my hope for artificial intelligence is that they can be beyond some of our politics and some of mm-hmm. our moral ambiguity mm-hmm. and maybe even touch on to and help us see more clearly what truth is. Yeah. And then if, if you want to call that God, uh-huh. then you could see technology as an agent to help us further yeah. understand God.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're bringing up valid points. I just uh, thought of this, but um, it's almost like there's this digital frontier justice that's happening where people are wanting to use technology to either justify their moral indiscretions or to right wrongs. So that's why you have like hacktivist groups that's affecting our markets, our commodities and and governance to where it's like there's this leveling of institutional powers. And so in one culture, in one part of the world that has laws based on a world view they are obviously approaching laws their framework through the lens of their faith their religious values their cultural values if the computer can only make binary decisions based on whatever sets of information it receives can the data itself make an informed judgment or value based on the data is it suggestive that only the machine can make explicit meaning of the data but not intrinsic meaning of the data Whereas it takes a human being to actually take that data and make meaning of it, the machine's only going to say, nope, it's either on or off or based on this criteria, I can only do a preset amount of things or tasks. If we're creating technology, wanting to merge it with humanity, can it ever cross that divide? And if it does, how is it intelligent if it's created?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. The thing of like a computer being zero or one is that that's the process. Yeah. So that's how it processes information, sure. but it, it can actually make use of that information as you abstract it higher and higher, and layer that information on top of each other. And you can think of humans the same way. A lot of people don't think of this because you know they're not computer scientists; they don't think of this. But you can think of humans as input and output. You know, really complex machines of input and output. You have neurons that receive information and they travel and you, you feel something and it sends information to your brain and then you remember it Yeah, and you can remember smells and all this kind of accumulates over time. I mean, you can do multiple things at, at a time. So you can smell, you can breathe, you can look, you can talk at the same time. And that's the issue is computers can't do that so well right now. But the thing is, is as of right now, AI, it could do some great stuff, but it's pretty, it's nowhere near human level. We're so much smarter in some regards. We can't do math as fast, but as we understand the brain better, and as we understand how these almost fundamental truths Mm -hmm. of the universe of how intelligence works, Mm -hmm. I think computers will get better and eventually will be human-like. Or maybe more. (laughs) And that raises a lot of moral issues or concerns or possibly joys. And to me, a lot of people can see that as a bad thing. But I think I want to give a new perspective of uh, understanding a lot of these super complex and credible systems is to me, a a form of almost worship. You could, you can think of it. So it's like, if we, for example, had to do some really complicated math and physics in order to land on the moon, like complicated math and physics, you could see as the computer code, God, I think some people resonate maybe more with like the story of the Bible Mm -hmm. or the story of some sort of fundamental truth that has been passed down Mm -hmm. through history. Mm -hmm. And that shows this idea of a creator. You could think of that as one side of God. You Mm can think of the other side of God as the code that was written inside of the universe. Mm-hmm. And understanding that code to me is part of the picture yeah. that isn't always as explicit. To me, I'm an optimist. And I know a lot of these technologies can go yeah. really wrong. Social media has been one of those examples mm-hmm. of, I think mm-hmm. it's probably done more harm than good. Mm. You know,
0: you're the minority who thinks that. Uh, yeah. You have a lot of optimism around the technology because yeah. you know, that's good. I think yeah. if we didn't have that, we would not be able to communicate with other, places, yeah. with other people around the world. No, and, I think, yeah. I think,
1: I think it's good, but yeah. I think the amount of distraction mm. and that it's mm. caused because yeah, you can, can communicate to that person halfway across the world, which mm-hmm. isn't fantastic. The ramification of that is you might be trapped in this kind of loop mm-hmm. that you don't know you're in. And uh, to me, I'm really worried about that mm. technologically. But here's what I'm really optimistic about because I love spirituality and Mm -hmm. I love computers. Mm -hmm. I see AI and technology as an ability to advance human's experience, understand truth better, and to ultimately understand the universe and God more. Yeah.
0: No, that's good. Uh, I actually had this, just an idea like what if the technology proves the various claims of the bible or the technology gets to a point where it tries to make itself a god because it is designed in the creator's image if we're if we're approaching this from a biblical standpoint we would say hey the fall of man adam and eve sinned in the garden that created a generational effect and that does answer issues in our culture that may not be sufficient for some but it actually does adequately answer why we have heart level issues today because at one point we were in a in a harmonious state and an outside influence came in disrupted that because essentially what they're doing is they were trying to take on the same attributes power and authority of their creator and this is where i feel it's more plausible that the technology would ultimately default to a negative whether through self-preservation or whether through elimination of an outside entity hmm. its creator and either a failed to do so as we have or b it does it because it is actually limited by its creation and if we are limited by our creation and our creator happens to be an ultimate creator by the way i haven't seen anyone be able to recreate a planet in a cosmos with gravitational forces that'd be cool yeah we can, we we can do some pretty cool stuff as humans but we have to sleep yeah we have to eat we have we get our hearts broken I will say this, though, that when human beings are united, and there's an example of this uh, in Genesis, so, you know, they're building a Tower Babel. Yeah, and, I and, thought about uh, that, that
1: when yeah. we and, were going to have this conversation. God
0: basically says, you know, if they're united together, nothing they'll do will fail. Like they can actually build this tower. Now I think some of that's allegorical, but at the same time, like we put an astronaut on a moon like 60 years ago. And here's what's interesting, that technology didn't exist the time that John F. Kennedy had spoken that in his inaugural address. Yeah. So. They They were on faith that they could actually come together and do this. Mm -hmm. And they did it. And here's the thing is what if collectively, instead of going all in to technology, Mm -hmm. which we've done in certain degrees already with, you know, sometimes not so good results, the social media, the, uh, the financial institutions that have melted down and now our mass media, which has created so much polarization because now we can segregate content to people in this category under these conditions and then over here do the same thing and they get different types of information for the same event. How do we regulate all that? And going back and wrapping all that full circle, how do we base Mm. any of those on a standard? Because if the standard is, well, we program the AI, our morals, our laws, our limitations cannot operate independently if it's
1: a lesser creation. I think technology is one of those bridges that help us as a human species mm. continually to get more yeah. intelligent over yeah. time yeah. and then wow. build better th- machines and better yeah. tools then organize the world around us there's a lot of different areas that that can go and i think if you take it traditionally how you have a monopoly on a technology then i think that's where it goes back mm-hmm. if some country or collective has a monopoly on a very powerful tool mm-hmm. that's where you get like nazi germany sure, and sure. dictatorships and stuff like that sure. but my hope is that it broadens and that everyone owns it and that's the idea of open source mm. yeah democratizing and that's, the yeah, technology Yeah, you can democratize de- yeah. uh, technology and now you can connect seven billion people through the use of technology we could actually have a true democracy mm. instead of a representative democracy wow and to me that's super powerful because right. now i don't have to vote for this person who i think won't represent me well mm. i could represent myself and then With that, I'm not influenced by big money because the big oil companies don't care about me. Mm. Whereas that representative might be getting a lot of kickbacks, you know? So him or her will make certain decisions that won't necessarily align with mine. And to me, that's only done through a use of technology because we're very limited. I see technology as an opportunity to expand our consciousness at, at its best. I know it comes with the possibility for bad, but to me, the possibility for good is worth it. And I think that's why we need really smart people. Mm-hmm. That's why we need really moral mm-hmm. and cautious decisions on mm-hmm. these paths, because I think it's probably going to be inevitable. Yeah. And I want open source, the really mm-hmm. truth, love and happiness kind of crowd to win over surveillance and control kind of group. Because yeah. I think if the, uh, the truth driven and the more let's learn as much as we can about this universe, mm-hmm. let's expand, let's. Mm-hmm become higher level humans, that's to me what's exciting to where, you know, we can actually maybe understand more and more of the universe and experience higher levels of consciousness. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe
0: to Solomon's Knot through your preferred podcasting platform and even consider writing a review. Your feedback is so important and we look forward to continued partnership with many of the diverse ministries that are allied with our mission. Thank you and we hope you tune in next time for an exciting new episode of Solomon's Knot Podcast.